0: You will never feel lonely, ever, if you have a strong connection to the Creator. You just simply cannot because you're never alone. You're not afraid of being by yourself. You're not afraid of being without other physical people. Of course, all of that's important, but you have that that deep sense of belonging. Welcome to Spiritually Hungry. I'm excited. We're talking about many things, but there's one thing I found specifically interesting and helpful and that is that there is something that each of us can do every single day to prevent depression. That is (laughs) good. The World Health Organization's data shows that 264 million people around the world suffer from depression. Just think about that number for a second. That is crazy. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for youth and late adolescents. Terrifying. And a study of 67,000 college students in 2019 found that 9% had attempted suicide. I would bet the number's probably higher now. And many people struggle with less debilitating conditions like burnout, chronic stress, and loneliness. And um, loneliness, really, I think it's something that's not spoken about often enough. So I kind of want to unpack that and go in that direction a little bit later. And medical treatments such as antidepressants only help half of patients after they are in treatment for over a year. And 20% will experience only a reduction in their symptoms. So there is a book called The Awakened Brain by Dr. Lisa Miller. And right, I, she's
1: also the author of uh, the, the book we mentioned last uh, episode The Spiritual Child.
0: Right. And I think her research is fascinating. She uses brain imaging techniques, such as MRIs, in an effort to find ways of preventing depression. And in her research, she came on to something really fascinating. So what was nearly the invisible variable, the silver bullet she was looking for in her data, was actually spirituality. And she found that people who were spiritual, lived a spiritual life, had a belief in God and a relationship with God,
1: uh, By the way, not necessarily God, right? A, a higher power.
0: Well, I am saying God, because that is yes. how I refer to it. But, yes, had some kind of spiritual practice in their daily lives. They were able to ward off so many different diseases, and and live a, a full life, really. So, I know there is a lot you want to say on it, but I just for our listeners, I wanted to share what her images of the brain showed her, and how she discovered that, so they can have a visual as we talk about this. So in her book, she writes, on the top half of the page was a black rectangle with two brain images inside. The scan on the left showed the, com- the composite brain image of participants with low spirituality. Those who had reported the religion or spirituality was a medium, mild, or low importance to them. The scan on the right showed the composite brain of participants with sustained high spirituality. Those who had said religion or spirituality was of high personal importance. The brain on the left, the low spiritual brain, was flecked intermittently with tiny red patches. But the brain on the right, the brain showing the neural structure of people with stable and high spirituality, had huge swaths of red, at least five times the size of small flecks in the other scan. I think that just like blows my mind. And
1: what, and what do those represent?
0: So, the high spiritual brain was healthier and more robust than the low spiritual oh, so the brain. So, red,
1: the red swaths represented health. Yes, the health more red was... Robust health.
0: Exactly. And the high spiritual brain, the more red was thicker and stronger in exactly the same regions that weaken and wither in depressed brains. Interesting, fascinating. So I think it's a a great read. Um, I want to give a, an example of the study, but I, what did you? Well, I know you was, have an opinion about this too. Oh,
1: many opinions. First of all, I think the the power of her research.
0: Well, she was reluctant. Like they were nervous when they had to present this to their group. They're sitting across a long table and they're bringing the research that they found and. They all thought that spirituality wouldn't influence anything at all. They were shocked by the findings at first.
1: Right. So, I think again, you know, I, I often have these conversations with people. Most of the people we're talking to are people who are awakened spiritually. But I think even for them, but certainly for those <laughs> who are not as awakened, I think you know, whereas maybe 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, to be spiritual was sort of out, outside of of what people would think of the, the norm of, of logic sometimes, or certainly science.
0: Or necessity.
1: Well, For daily exactly, living It is something exactly. like an add-on,
0: maybe, if you are interested. It was kind of like a hobby, really.
1: I think the science is in, and it is telling us a few things, but one of them is that if you, again, if you want to have a better life, and that means if you want to have less depression, less anxiety, the way to do that is by developing your own personal spiritual practice. And again, the, the MRI, the brain imaging shows that, the studies show that. And at this point, it would be silly for any person not to do what they can to, to develop a strong, you know, internal life, as it's referred to. But one thing I, I want to point out, and I think this is also very important, both understanding and directive the question that she used for that initial study. That came to the understanding of the different literally brain makeup of people who are who are who are spiritual and those who are not is the following question: How personally important is religion or spirituality to you? So how right? Important when she is... did
0: the study, that was the question she asked the exactly, participants
1: exactly. And it's a very important question, even for those of us who are spiritual, because what this study tells us is not simply that if you're spiritual, then you are less likely to be depressed. You're less likely to have anxiety and so on. The deeper your spirituality, the more connected you are, which brings me to a very important teaching. I was actually
0: having a conversation. The deeper your spirituality, the more connected you are to the the
1: more more protected you are. Protected. The more protected you are, the the, the healthier you will be mentally, at least.
0: Well, that's the crazy part of it all, right? I mean, we talk about this, especially now. There's so many different like hacks for longevity and you know, do this, do that. And of course and I'm the first to sign up for all of those things. Cold plunges and saunas and exercise, and it's all important. But and we talk about this a lot just privately, the most important of all those things is really your your spiritual connection and relationship Ooh. to something higher. Right. That is the overall like you said, protection.
1: Yeah. And, and I'd, I'll share with our listeners a story which might be controversial. I hope it won't be.
0: Mm.
1: But um, last week I was with, uh, with some of our friends and we were having a conversation about, as many of us know, it's might not know, but it's very much in vogue today. There are many people who use all kinds of, I guess we'll call them drugs or otherwise, for spiritual experience, ayahuasca being one, and there's many other, many other. A usages of it. And that maybe we should actually have a whole podcast on that.
0: We need some guests for that.
1: <laughs> yes. I have not, and neither has Monica ever tried ayahuasca. Or it. And, and, and again, I want to be very careful in how I say this. I certainly know people who, through their experience of these, they call them plant medicine, whatever other uh, forms that they take, have had a spiritual awakening, and have had spiritual benefit. The argument that, it wasn't an argument, my view, which is, I think, important as it relates to our conversation, but certainly as it relates to taking what I would say is a shortcut to spirituality, is the fact that you have to be very mindful that your spiritual practice is one that is challenging.
0: Well, it's interesting, because when people go on these journeys, right, they're feeling a closeness and affinity with the Creator, or however you want to reference it. But I guess, are you saying that, is that really a muscle that is built? Well, that is question. Because, are you connecting when it is hard, or just when you are in an altered state?
1: Well, let me make something, let me say something I think is absolutely true. That there are people who go down that path, and for whom it is greatly spiritually beneficial. And there are those who go down that path, who use these plant medicines, and they aren't necessarily doing the spiritual work from that. For some people, it is an awakening to do greater, deeper spiritual work. And fathers, right? It's not. So,
0: if you had that experience and now you're awakened, and then it builds a desire to work at that in natural ways every day, super powerful. Also, for people who don't have the desire, let's say they're in deep depression, having this kind of reset using this kind of medicine, absolutely. I'm all for that. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. So again, I don't want to get di- 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 diverted too much. Talk about about. Those, those experiences. My point simply was that what I shared was I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. All I can say is that I know what I know is that a spiritual path needs to be one that challenges us, which means that the internal work of transformation, of growth, of introspection cannot be or, or at least to maximize the benefits of them cannot be one that is without its challenge, and push. There is a there's a beautiful Aramaic phrase that I quoted in that conversation, which I think is important for all of us to keep in mind all the time. It says, aga, which means, depending on the challenge or the difficulty is the reward and the benefit. So, for our listeners who might have heard that question,
0: But you need desire.
1: You need for. desire, but I think the beautiful thing about, about this research is that it is now clear that this is not just an additional choice in life. You know, I will be a runner, and I will be a health, uh, a person who eats healthy, and I will be spiritual. No, it is like the... It has to be a very high priority, and, and, and with that, a question, so, I would rephrase for our listeners the question not simply how personally important is religion or spirituality to you? Because I think many more people will answer yes to that question, will answer yes to the following question How much do you challenge yourself daily for the purpose of your spiritual practice? Whatever it
0: is. Well, can you define uh, challenge yourself? So, what would that look like? Yes. Because that's, you know, relative to each right, person. Right, right.
1: So, and again, I'm going to use general examples, some of them. So I have I'm sure there's people who meditate every morning for 20 minutes, half hour. By the
0: way, and the studies that is absolutely one way. Absolutely. For, for to connect actually, and it does it way, does reduce inflammation in the body because you stop being stressed. And that that is absolutely a tool. But I guess the question then is when you're meditating, what are you connecting to?
1: Well, more than that, I would say I I I I wouldn't again, clearly meditation is very powerful. Study endless studies on about that as well. These are tools. But the next question I would ask is, in what ways are you challenging yourself? For example, let's say you meditate in the morning, and then you do nothing else throughout the, throughout the day. Is there a benefit? Of course. And in, in, in your spirituality important to you? It might be. But if you are not being challenged, then you will not receive the greatest of the benefits that a spiritual pathway has for you.
0: I feel like you're saying two things. That you're if you're not being challenged, you're not challenging yourself. Challenging yourself. No, I'm not talking about being challenged. Okay, you just said okay, so so challenge yourself, what would that look like? So you meditate in the morning and then Right. So for by the way, it
1: might be, you know, the day that you don't feel like meditating, you push yourself to do it, right? Because I think most people will say, well, okay, I don't feel like doing it today, I'll do it tomorrow. Or are you pushing yourself to share? For example, are you pushing yourself to overcome your anger, for example? Are you pushing yourself to overcome your your desire to gossip, for example, right? To see the and, light in a situation
0: that seems just dark and...
1: Exactly. And so the, the point being is, it's not enough.
0: I think what you're saying is, do you bring the Creator or whatever the Force is into every part of your daily existence, good and bad.
1: Right. And, again, I would add, I think the word challenging yourself is an important element here. Because I do think that there are many people who who take spirituality, uh, uh, you know, as an important part of their lives. But, you know, when it suits them, or when it is comfortable, or when it fits in, and so on and so forth. And 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 what the the ancient spiritual leaders and teachers for thousands of years have said, is that that is nice. Again, it is better than having zero. But the benefits that, the, the greater the challenge that one puts themselves in for spiritual growth and investment of their time in it, the more benefits they will see from it. Lisa Miller, where her research showed, the MRI imaging, that the brain is going to be different. It's going to be a healthier brain. And everything flows from the brain. So if there, it makes sense, of course, that if, if, if the a spiritual the life leads you to a stronger brain, it obviously will lead to endless amount of positive effects throughout the body. Well,
0: She actually said that a higher, a high spiritual brain, she calls the high spiritual brain, the awakened brain. So this is, she says these three things, and I just, I thought it packs it really nicely. The awakened decision is a better decision. With the awakened perception, we are more creative, collaborative, ethical, and innovative. She said, the awakened brain is the healthier brain, and engaged spiritual life enhances grit, optimism, and resilience while providing insulation against addiction, trauma, and depression. The awakened life is an inspired life. Loss, uncertainty, and even trauma are the gateways by which we're invited to move beyond merely coping with hardship to transcend into a life of renewal, healing, joy, and fulfillment, which is what you just said. The awakened brain takes in the world fully and provides a pervasive sense of well-being.
1: Beautiful and again, what I love about this is that this is not a spiritual right. person saying it's science. this. It's it's science and research. So, I, so again, what I wanted to say before is I, I I want to be very careful again how I share this, but I I thought very much in line with what you just said. So, I was watching this documentary about Sergio Mello, <laughs> who was um, it's I I found it inspiring. We'll give people
0: a little background in case they okay. don't know who he is. He was yeah. So he
1: was he was the United. And he did many many amazing things throughout his life. He worked in the United Nations. And he, his last position, he was the head of the UN uh, work in Iraq after the American uh, after the war with Iraq. So, what year is this? Yeah, two thousand Well, this occurred in two thousand and three, September from the, August two thousand three. An Al Qaeda terrorist apparently uh, drove a truck uh, bomb in, literally by, into the into the uh, UN compound, right by his office, probably trying to kill him. Explodes the bomb. Explodes the truck. the... the building comes down. Many people died that day. In this one cavity of the, of the destroyed building, there were, two, there were two people who survived the initial blast. There were a few others who, uh, who died there. One man, his name was Gil, and another man, and De Develo. And, again, the way they, they it's... Again, I do recommend watching the documentary if you're, if you, if you're interested in it. But, but they, they were basically lying one on top of the other. In this little cavity in the, in the destroyed building, two U.S. soldiers are. They, they had no heavy equipment to remove the debris to remove the building. They were basically uh, stuck there. Like so in they're a trying... coffin type situation. Yeah, okay. yeah, It's a it's a crazy story. So they, they they these two soldiers are trying with whatever they can, taking up piece after piece after piece. This goes on for a long time, and one of the soldiers was clearly a religious man, and he starts talking to both this man, Gil, and Sergio, about...
0: The the two men that are in, the one soldier that's out is the religious man. Right, right.
1: He's saying, let's pray. Mm. And so one of them is sort of amenable to it, but who knows what his view was. And Sergio was like, F prayer now. And like don't give me anything like F God. Like he was like he was like really and it's interesting. And again, I want to be very mindful. Clearly, Sergio Mello did amazing because things. Because you don't life. want
0: to pack his whole life in that moment. Of course, of... Not. and then who knows? Like well, oh, you know, I, I Nobody knows how they'd respond in that situation. And, and also
1: and... this doesn't all, all the amazing thing is Gil survived and Sergio didn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, there is a lot of research on this as well. Like you just said about, about those with HIV. That that again. Yeah, I heard some people saying, um, you know, even if you do not believe it, you should live as if you believe it, because it has so many benefits. I would go the extra step as we actually believe it. But I think you hear so much, whether it is a researcher, you hear a story like this, and it is like, it gives you pause. Like, there is a power to this that is beyond what would, again, I was going to say, it is not beyond the physical, but it is beyond what we would have thought happens on the physical level. And when you start reading about this research, and you start hearing about again the the MRIs and the, the brain imaging, and you start realizing there's a power to a spiritual path, and and what I would say again to our listeners, just back.
0: to... Oh, wait, did Gil re- have any opinion about why he survived in Sergio? Didn't, they
1: didn't interview. They didn't. Oh, I'd be curious inter- about interview. that. Again, to be clear, he his he was above Sergio, so he was more likely to have survived, probably anyway. It's and again, it's a gruesome story of how they took him out. Uh, it's all in the documentary. Yeah, it's, that's uh, the
0: part I walked in on. <laughs> yeah,
1: but 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 bottom line is bottom line is it's not so much about what happened that day. It is another story that seems to indicate that 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 a spiritual connection gives you again, and the science tells us this gives you greater abilities, greater abilities. I do want to go back just to I I know you know. The fact that because we were talking about people who see themselves as spiritual, I would just say, I for certainly for our listeners, don't take that as being enough, right? Push yourself, you have to be pushing yourself.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I do want to share because I think that this is part of it. I think people can for instance be spiritual right and practice have but yeah. have even a spiritual life or a routine but feel lonely for example right so how could that be so even if oh, you by the voting, way it's, it's
1: funny you say that because i think we know unfortunately a lot of people who if you ask them are you spiritual they say, absolutely exactly yes my but point. they are either depressed or and okay exactly it, 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 my yeah, point
0: yeah and i and this actually just hits kind of close to home because i think just i don't know for whatever reason the last year that theme of loneliness, I hear it a lot in people who have people around them who have grandchildren or siblings or, you know, go on dates even in their 70s. Like there's just, there's so much opportunity, but they're so lonely. Why is that? And if you ask them, are they, yeah, I believe in God. Yes, yes, I go and I pray every Saturday or Sunday, depending on your religion, but there's still that feeling. Why is that? So, and I thought about this because Actually, I want to quote um, Dr. Vivek H. Murthy is a Surgeon General of the United States. And he wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times. It's called, We Have Become a Lonely Nation. Let's fix that. And states are at their loneliness now because of the, the past couple of years. But he goes on to say that his first stint as a Surgeon General ended in 2017. He felt profound loneliness. He was no longer going to his office and interacting with colleagues. And while he was surgeon general, he had let his friendships lapse. And I think about that a lot. Because when you go through different stages of life, right? We have this conversation a lot. Do I want to spend more time with friends? Yes. Do I want to spend more time making friends? Yes. But then when you look at your day and you look at what you're trying to achieve in the world and you look about your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your husband, your relationship with the children. I mean, it's hard to keep all these relationships going. So I could relate to what he was saying, but he said, in retrospect, he acknowledged that he made a critical mistake focusing on his work over maintaining his friendships. And I was thinking about this because as children, early on, right, as children, remember riding bikes with our friends, having sleepovers, spending so much time together, finding new things to do. And then as we get older, it's less and less of a priority. But if you look back at those days, those were really, really meaningful and purposeful. We felt like we belonged to something, we were part of something. And I know that when I am most tapped into those kinds of friendships, I feel really connected to the Creator. I feel really part of that being and that essence. And he went on to share that even when he was with people, he was not really present. Instead, he was checking his inbox and news sites. His feelings of isolation chipped away at his self-esteem and eroded in his sense of who he was. So, I think it is very much correlated to your relationship with a higher being.
1: Yeah, I think it is actually something that, that Lisa Miller, I think, speaks about when she says, if I, yeah. I do want to say one more yeah, thing. If sure. you
0: look at, um, for example, I love looking at blue zone, yeah, places of longevity. Um, and, and in Japan, they were that's one area that showed an increased well-being and lifespan. In lifespans, one of the factors for these areas was lifetime friendships and a sense of community, which is another big important idea that's on par with ceasing smoking and nearly twice as beneficial as physical activity in terms of decreasing your odds of dying early. So fascinating.
1: For sure. For sure. So, what I was going to say is, so Lisa Miller says that when, again, we are, what she calls the awakened brain, which basically means a person who has a deep uh, uh, sense of spirituality and a desire, as we said before, to, to invest the time and effort in it, we begin to live beyond a pieces and parts model of identity and a splintered, fragmented view of who we are to one another. And to cultivate a way of being built on a core awareness of love, interconnection, and the guidance and surprise of life. And I think that that's an important point. And again, and maybe we should at some point, on a different podcast, go more deeply into the spiritual uh, uh, aspects of friendship. But I think
0: I had the same thought actually, when I was thinking about today's podcast
1: one of one of the awakenings or 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 levels of clarity I would say that one should have when we are spiritual, if to the degree we are, is our openness to everybody else around us. I think, again, I, I know very many successful good people, good people, some of them are my friends, who do not go through life with that sense of needing others outside of themselves. And I think uh, uh, one of the benefits, as she points out, of, of a spiritual foundation to life, is the fact that you do see yourself as both needing and, and being interconnected, with everybody else.
0: I think part of the problem that I identified as I was thinking about this topic is that we walk around wearing many masks because we want people to see us as just like them. So we don't show up authentically. We don't show up vulnerably. We're afraid to say how we really feel or if we're struggling. We don't connect in the ways that we're meant to that forge deep friendships and community. So even if you desire to have a spiritual community or be part of that or have deep relationships, more friendships. If you're not showing up as your authentic self, because you're afraid to really be seen as who you are, then you're never going to have that experience. Um, there's something, I really love this poem actually. It's from uh Shel Silverstein, everything on it. It says she had blue skin and so did he, he kept it hid and so did she. They searched for blue their whole life through then passed right by and never knew. And that's kind of what we do, right? When we don't show up as who we are, we hide behind our masks. We hide our true aspects. We're afraid to really be honest about what we crave and need from other people, and then it just creates that space and that separation. And then we truly do feel lonely.
1: Absolutely. And I do think it's important to point out one thing that that her that the research shows, which you know I don't know if all of our listeners will be happy or not happy about this, is that there is a binary breakaway between spirituality and religion, so that. Everything that the research shows that one benefits receives benefits from a deep spiritual internal life does not show up for people who grew up in a religious yes very, very religious good dogmatic point. necessarily dogmatic religious beliefs that weren't made person weren't made personal which means which is kind of an amazing thing that that all the 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 science that tells us, all the research like that tells us. You can't
0: be us, believe in God because that's the right thing to do. Or because that's where your, way your soul it. will be saved or whatever.
1: Yeah, but by the way, and again, not, I don't want to, I don't want to disparage right. any of those beliefs. All I'm saying is that the research shows that all the great benefits of which we're speaking are specifically for those who have a personal spiritual path and internal life, or as Lisa Miller refers to it as the awakened brain. A person who grew up or still even maintains a relatively dogmatic uh, religious life that does not integrate a deep spiritual practice and and beliefs does not receive those benefits for me that's an indication clearly which is something that we believed even before this research that that spirituality is the core of truth and that all the other call it religious practices were only meant as a as a layer upon uh, that spiritual foundational truth and it is never it was never meant to be the 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 ultimate purpose or or core
0: and I guess the question for people is how do we awaken our brains right it's just like going to the gym you have to practice it day in and daylight like you said at the beginning challenge yourself each day check your thoughts thoughts can be changed see how flexible you are to new experiences seeing things in a new and different way and as it comes to loneliness, I, I said this when we were in the on our retreat in Mexico, that you will never feel lonely ever if you have a strong connection to the creator. You just simply cannot because you're never alone. You're not afraid of being by yourself. You're not afraid of being without other physical people. Of course, all of that's important, but you have that, that deep sense of belonging. I do. I thought this was really interesting because, you know, I love uh, facts and percentages. Loneliness is more than just a bad feeling. When people are socially disconnected, the risk of anxiety and depression increases, and so does the risk of, listen to these numbers, heart disease, 29 percent, dementia, 50 percent, and stroke, 32 percent. The increased risk of premature death associated with social disconnection is comparable to smoking daily, and maybe even greater than the risk associated with obesity. Is that wild? That blows my mind.
1: Very cool. Is it cool? cool. (laughs) So, I would like to add two things, again, both research-based. One of them is from uh, Dr. David Schaefer, who is the chair of Columbia University's Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. It is related to what we spoke about last episode, but certainly what we are speaking about this one. And he said the following, I never would have considered that religion or spirituality might be significant to psychiatry, until I was studying child and adolescent suicide, Mm -hmm. and discovered a surprising glimmer in the data. Our rather large school-based screening for psychopathology found that it's very difficult to identify protective factors against suicide. Mm-hmm. There was no single variable that tells us who will or won't show suicidality.
0: Wow, it's terrifying.
1: Except, <laughs> except for one spirituality, <laughs> strong personal spirituality was the only variable inversely associated with suicide.
0: Wow, that's wild. And
1: again, all these are just more breadcrumbs, right? But and and
0: that's so powerful,
1: right? But again, back to to what this means. The, because the question can be asked, I know, you know, and maybe even our own lives, we experience, well, we are spiritual. It is certainly important to us. It is certainly something that we push ourselves to, to practice, in whatever way we can. But sometimes we do feel anxiety. Sometimes we do feel sadness. Sometimes we do feel, uh, 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 we do not feel the protection that the studies would suggest we should have. And the answer is very simple. So there is a story that I always that I like to tell, about a great kabbalist, and there's a there's a foundational book of this wisdom called the Zohar, and it's it's said to have very be very powerful, and and even just scanning it, even just having in your house brings protection, and certainly reading it can help with any problem that you have. So a student once came to his teacher and he said, you know, I'm, I'm having you know terrible uh, uh, fears. What should I do? He said you should go and read Zohar, and he goes and he reads the Zohar and he comes back to his teacher. He said, I, I, I read Zohar for the past few hours, and I, and, and I still have these fears. What should I do? So teacher said, read more, Zohar. And the point is, the point is... That Part,
0: well, he was quick, like, oh, it is just, but it is the work. It is the work,
1: and sometimes it is more work, and sometimes it is more work. There is another ancient teaching that says, if you have not worked hard, and you have achieved spiritual connection level, don't believe it, which means it will not last. And I think... for is that back
0: to what you were saying? Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. And the idea is, to our listeners, if you did not believe before, and I am sure most of our listeners probably did, that spirituality has great benefits. Science is now telling us, research is now telling us, brain imaging is telling us, that this is a path for health on many levels, mental health, and so on. But it is not simply the fact that you meditate ten minutes a day is going to give you all these protections. This, what we are talking about here, and with the science which suggest, is deep spiritual practice. More, and more, and more. And especially for those of us who are going through a challenge, who are going through anxiety, who are going through fears. Which is my, why we
0: tend to isolate ourselves even more.
1: My, not my, science is clear. Recommendation is more, more, more. Push yourself. Challenge yourself. Especially if You know, but I think what happens sometimes is you know, a person studies spirituality or spiritual, but he's still experiencing anxiety or 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 sadness. Oh, it's it's not not working. working." (laughs) Well, well, too bad. Now you can't (laughs) use that excuse anymore because science tells us it does work. So what is it? More, more, more.
0: That's funny. It's interesting. As I was talking about masks earlier, I think that people, again, hide themselves because they're afraid if they show up as their authentic selves, they'll be rejected and then they'll feel lonely. But by not being yourself and not showing who you are, what happens? You are lonely and you feel isolated. And again, Silverstein's poem: If you wear a mask to hide yourself, how will your friends find you? If they're wearing a mask, how will you recognize them?
1: Beautiful, beautiful. So I'd like you to share. Yeah, I'd like to share a, a quick letter uh, from one of our listeners.
0: How do you choose them though? How do you decipher between who gets?
1: I'm sorry. I, well, I apologize <laughs> to all the thousands of people uh, who have already emailed us. And I have not read their emails, but I do want to say we do read every single email. So I want to encourage, deeply encourage.
0: Are you doing that already?
1: No, not yet. Again, I'll just do it twice, <laughs> once before the letter one after, to send all your questions, comments, and stories, inspirations to Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. Are we this short letter from Miriam? Hi, Monica and Michael.
0: Oh, our daughter wrote in.
1: No, oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think so, but who knows? Maybe. This episode is a warm hug. I feel...
0: She likes warm hugs.
1: <laughs> heard. That is true. Our daughter Miriam does like... I feel heard as a, parenthesis, grown-up child. Thanks so much. I am still single and child-free, but getting focused inwardly and building up on myself spiritually has been a blessing. Someday, when I have my own family, I will be more loving and a better person for them. More power to both of you and the Spiritually Hungry podcast.
0: Mm, yes.
1: Thank you, Miriam, for sharing that with us and a warm hug back to you reminder to all of our listeners send your questions comments stories inspirations to monica and michael at spirituallyhungry.life to share this podcast with everybody you know to go to apple podcasts and write five-star reviews and again on spotify wherever you do listen to this podcast make sure to share it with your entire family and friends as we just learned in this podcast it'll make your life and their life that much better We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording.
0: Stay spiritually hungry.